Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including your story. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. And we love telling stories about the past, Our next story comes to us from a man who's simply known as the History Guy. His videos are watched by hundreds of thousands of people of all ages on YouTube. The History Guy is also heard here at Our American Stories. The Great Vowel Shift was the single greatest change in the history of the English language and has now become the official language in over 75 countries. As the title The Great Vowel Shift implies, this shifted the pronunciation of vowels from a softer to a harder sound. Here's the history guy with the story of the Great Vowel Shift and the making of modern English. Recently, we did an episode on ketchup. And of course, today, ketchup is mostly made from tomatoes. And that led a viewer to send me a question about the English pronunciation of the word tomato and asked me, well, which one is correct? And that is a popular question because of a song written by George and Ira Gershwin for the 1937 Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie, Shall We Dance, with the lyrics, You say tomato, and I say tomato. You say potato, and I say potato. Let's call the whole thing off. And the the song says a lot of things about class and culture, but the real point of the song is that the difference is unimportant. I mean, after all, tomatoes and tomatoes are the same thing. But how tomato and tomato came to be pronounced differently is an interesting historical question because history, surprisingly, affects language. And in the history of language, a change that would have changed the pronunciation of the word tomato and virtually the whole 
of the English language stands out as a shining example of the intimate connection between historical events and the words that describe them. The period of the rapid transformation of the pronunciation of English that was called the Great Vowel Shift deserves to be remembered. The Great Vowel Shift, or GVS, refers to a period of radical change in how the English language is spoken. The shift roughly occurred in England between the mid-14th century and the 18th century, although some argue that it may have started earlier and later. The term itself was coined by Otto Jespersen, a Danish linguist and anglicist, whose focus at the time was on the history of language. Jespersen described the GVS in his 1909 work, A Modern English Grammar on Historical Principles. The GVS represents the transition from Middle English to Modern English, and it mostly affected the so-called long vowels, although it affected some consonants as well. And the description of exactly how it occurred is still a matter of scholarly dispute. It didn't occur evenly over either geography or time. That is to say, it affected Scotland and Northern England and Southern England differently and at different times, and it occurred in fits and starts over a period of centuries. But while other languages have undergone vowel shifts, the significant transformation and how English was pronounced over just a few centuries was, well, exceptional. As to the actual pronunciation differences, I'll largely leave that up to linguists to describe, but the shift significantly affected how words with long vowels were pronounced. The word bite, for example, with a long I, would have, in the Middle English of Southern England, been pronounced like the word beat, whereas beat would have been pronounced more like the word bade, which would have pronounced something like bought. And, all that means that Geoffrey Chaucer and William Shakespeare would have had difficulty having a conversation with each other. While we modern English speakers can read Chaucer's Middle English, and are usually forced to sometime in high school, Chaucer's pronunciation would have been almost completely unintelligible to the modern ear. The English of William Shakespeare after the Great Vowel Shift, on the other hand, would be accented but quite understandable. That, of course, leaves the interesting question of how we would know how these words were pronounced differently since there's no sound recording from the time. And that question is part of the reason that there's still disagreement over exactly how the GVS occurred, but it can be divined from clues, such as what words poets rhymed or playwrights used as puns. Chaucer rhymed words that Shakespeare did not. Chaucer, for example, rhymed the word daff, meaning you can't hear, with the word life, which was then spelled L-Y-F. Today, the words life and daff don't rhyme, but in Chaucer's time they did. They were pronounced deef and leaf. Another example is how people spelled words in personal correspondence. Elizabeth I spelled deep, D-I-P-E, and need, N-I-D. This indicates that by her time, words spelled with E-E had already shifted pronunciation from the E sound of Middle English to the long E sound we use in Modern English, from dep and ned to deep and need. So her use of the spelling of Middle English, where I was pronounced E, indicates the pronunciation of early Modern English after the Great Vowel Shift. Two, there were scholars at the time noting some of the changes, and some even proposed new systems of spelling to represent the changes, and those can help us understand how the changes occurred. But while the question of how the shift occurred is interesting, the question of why is even more perplexing, and there's even less agreement among scholars about that. But somehow, history changed language. What happened in England in the approximately 160 years between Geoffrey Chaucer's death and William Shakespeare's birth that made it so that two acknowledged masters of the English language could not have understood each other speaking their own version of English? How did history transform language? It's a, it's a difficult question to answer. There's little agreement because scholars can't even agree over when the great vowel shift began. One of the most significant factors that's been suggested to explain the rapid shift in language was population migration. Pronunciation varied in medieval England, where the typical person never wandered farther afield than a dozen miles from their home. Areas developed dialects, essentially regional languages. But events in the 14th century drove greater migration, and especially congregation in the cities, which then brought together people who had different accents and dialects, and the mixing of those changed the language. Part of the reason goes back to Norman rule. After William the Conqueror's victory in 1066, the rulers of England primarily spoke French, albeit the more country-bumpkin Norman French as opposed to Parisian French. For the following 300 years, the language of the court and government was French, while written language was mainly done in Latin. But some 95% of the population still spoke English. As the Norman rulers viewed English as a low and vulgar tongue, it went unregulated and was mainly a spoken language rather than a written language. 
Combined with low population mobility, that led to the development of regional dialects, or at least a further diversion from dialects of Old English. Some linguists estimate that a common person in England in the 12th century would not be able to understand the English language spoken just 50 miles away. And you're listening to The History Guy and a fascinating tale of the transformation of the English language. The story of the Great Vowel Shift continues here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with our American stories and with the history guy and the story of the great vowel shift and the making of modern English. Let's pick up where we last left off. Some linguists estimate that a common person in England in the 12th century would not be able to understand the English language spoken just 50 miles away. But in the 14th century, people moved. The likely cause was the Black Plague. The first known case of the illness in England was a sailor from Gascony in June of 1348. By December, the outbreak was estimated to have killed between 40 and 60% of the population. The impacts of this mass depopulation were profound, changing economics and culture, but could it change language? The initial reaction to the depopulation of the plague was for people to flee locations with high mortality rates, like London. But an interesting study published last year looking at data from medieval cities found a surprising result. Despite the devastation of the plague and periodic return of the illness, urban populations recovered to pre-plague populations by the 16th century. Further research on abandoned rural villages and deforestation suggests that rural populations decreased over the same period and took more than a century more to return to the pre-plague population. The result is counterintuitive. The general thought would be that places harder hit by the pandemic would recover more slowly, both because their population was harder hit and because people would be reticent to return to high mortality areas. Instead, the data suggests that people moved from low mortality areas in the country to high mortality areas in the city. The conclusion is that factors such as quality of land and human infrastructure, such as roads and trade routes, affected migration more than mortality rates. As the population decreased, people moved from more marginal land and land with fewer amenities to areas with better agricultural land and more amenities. The findings support the idea that Southeast England, including London, saw a significant increase in immigration from the Northern England following the pandemic. This conclusion is supported by records that have been accumulated by the Universities of York and Sheffield in England's Immigrants Database, which tracks immigration to England between 1330 and 1550. In the period following the plague, the resulting labor shortage met a demand for labor. Thus, conditions and wages were relatively good compared to many places in Europe. That attracted immigrants from the rest of the British Isles, Northwest Europe, and even farther afield. The research suggests that as many as one in every hundred people in medieval England was an immigrant. The result is not just a mixing of English dialects, but of foreign loanwords over much of the period of the Great Vowel Shift. And loanwords, particularly French loanwords, are another part of the explanation. The Normans brought a huge number of French words into the English language, thousands of them. Those French words and pronunciations, of course, would transform language. For example, names for animals, cow, pig, sheep, although pronounced differently in Middle English than Modern English, came from English. But the names for their meat, beef, pork, mutton, were derived from French. Courts of justice were also conducted largely in French, so many Englishmen, while still primarily speaking English, also learned French. But why would this mix of languages cause a vowel shift hundreds of years after the Norman Conquest? Well, the French used by the court developed into a unique form called Anglo-Norman. The Normans became increasingly Anglicized over time. Norman nobles became increasingly likely to speak English as well as French. The loss of Normandy to Philip II of France in 1204 meant that Norman nobles started becoming more dependent upon their English holdings and divorced from the French court and customs. Increasingly, the people in power were speaking English, but with a heavy French accent, and were speaking a version of French that was highly influenced by English. 
And the people who were not in power wanted to sound more like the people who were in power because it was more prestigious. The effect of French loanwords on English pronunciation was further impacted by war with the French. The series of conflicts that would be called the Hundred Years' War began in 1337. The war itself might have impacted language in a few ways, for example, causing migration based on the recruitment and movement of troops and the number of Englishmen who spent time on the continent fighting in the wars. But the war also created a resentment towards the French language as the language of the enemy. Henry IV, who deposed his nephew Richard II in 1399, was the first English king for whom English was his mother tongue, and he took his oath in English. This new aversion to French, even as the conversion of French-speaking nobles to English-speaking increased the use of loanwords, may have caused an overcorrection, when the pronunciation of French-derived words was changed to sound less French. This overcorrection might explain why a language so influenced by Romance languages ended up being pronounced so differently from them. But this doesn't really explain why the change was so massive. Well, some linguists think that that might be explained by something called a chain shift. Roughly speaking, that means that a small change might cause a change somewhere else. For example, pronouncing a vowel one way differently might require then that another vowel be pronounced differently so that the two don't sound too much alike. Phonological systems tend to naturally seek economy and symmetry, and while it's not as mechanistic as it sounds, what it means is that a small shift might have driven a chain of shifts that led to something large, like the Great Vowel Shift. One result of the Great Vowel Shift is that it partially explains why English is so, well, difficult. Spreading more or less haphazardly over time in geography, the Great Vowel Shift did not apply uniformly to all relevant words. For example, the letter combination spelled E-A was pronounced E in Middle English. Meat was met. It went through a phase where it was pronounced A. Meat would have been mate. And then finally the long E sound it has today, meat, along with words like speak and beam. But some words got stuck along the way. Met became meat, but steak, which would originally have been pronounced steak, got stuck in the middle at steak with words like great didn't move along to become steak. And a few other words took another shift to a diphthong or combined vowel sound to make words like bear and swear. In Middle English, those words would have all rhymed. But in Modern English, that same vowel combination is pronounced three different ways. It was roughly over the same period that printing in England was standardizing spelling in English. Some of the new standardized spellings miss the effects of the GBS, and thus many words in English are not written as they sound. In Chaucer's time, the E at the end of words would have been pronounced, as would all consonants. Many of those sounds had become silent in spoken language, but the letters were still retained in printing. In other cases, word spelling was changed, and that obscured the relationship between them and the European languages from which they were derived. There's more confusion, as there are still many artifacts of Middle English. For example, the word Shire. Every Briton will tell you that Buckinghamshire, Oxfordshire, and Bedfordshire are pronounced Buckinghamshire, Oxfordshire, and Bedfordshire. The reason is not laziness or dialect, it's that the pronunciation of those names was set before the Great Vowel Shift, when Shire would have been pronounced Sheer. Those names are literally artifacts of England's past. And speaking of England's past, William the Conqueror's Doomsday Book, from which we have learned so much about England's past, is pronounced Doomsday, but spelled Domesday, D-O-M-E-S-D-A-Y. Not because the Normans couldn't spell, but because Dome was pronounced Doom before the Great Vowel Shift. And so the Norman king who spoke French left us an artifact of Middle English. One of the most interesting things about the Great Vowel Shift is that it didn't occur elsewhere on the continent. I mean, all languages are subject to some amount of vowel shift, but the French language, for example, hardly changed over the same period, even though the French faced the same plague and the same war. The Great Vowel Shift is an artifact of the uniqueness of English history, of Norman lords who spoke a bastardized form of French, and of a language of a population that was considered so low class that it went unregulated only to rise again and have to find its own path. It's of a language that is permeated by foreign words whose foreign pronunciations at some points were considered desirable and at other points considered anathema as the nation found its identity. It represents a period where England went from a backwater vassal of the French to a great nation in its own right, of a period when the people moved from largely rural to much more urban. It is a language that is as complex as the history of the English people. 
So what about tomato and tomato? Well, Chaucer likely would have pronounced it tomato, except that tomatoes hadn't been introduced to England in Chaucer's time. Shakespeare would have recognized what a tomato was, but he likely would have pronounced it with the short A and called it a tomato. And in modern English, it was pronounced tomato for a very long time. It was nothing but an affectation of 18th century upper class Englishmen in southern England that turned chance, dance, and castle into chance, dance, and castle, and turned tomato into tomato. And like the song implies, maybe that difference isn't all that important, and we don't really have to call the whole thing off. And great job, as always, by Greg Hengler for working and collaborating so well with the history guy. Great job on the production. And my goodness, what a tour de force of writing and performance. This is my favorite, and there have been so many great ones. The Great Vowel Shift and the Making of Modern English, here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash OAS. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
It took 11 years to get to this sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. This is Our American Stories, and up next, our own Joey Cortez brings you a story about a fictional character we all know and love, Superman, and how he would team up with the real-life undercover agent to take down a truly vicious villain. Over the years, Superman has fought many villains, including the KKK. Rick Bowers brings us the story of how the hero not only fought this villain in the fictional series, but also in real life. Here's Rick with the backstory. The actual Superman character was created by two Jewish kids in Cleveland in the 1930s. And these two kids were high school students, and they loved science fiction. They would hole up in their attic studio reading science fiction magazines, books. They would go to the movies, you know, caped heroes like Zorro were doing great things on the big screen. And they were taking all of that in. And they started to create their own characters. And they created a character and a story called The Reign of Superman. But in that first iteration, Superman was bad. He was an evil scientist doing horrid experiments on homeless men during the Depression. And he had no real superpowers. He was just super evil. So they were creating some interesting characters, but there was always something about that character, that original Superman, that was not quite right. So they put that on a shelf and let it incubate. And as Superman lore goes, One night, Jerry Siegel, one of these two young men who were struggling to get through the depression, find work, and make it in the field of comic art, had an epiphany. We have it backwards. What the world really needs is a good Superman. And that epiphany and the character that evolved from it came just as publishers in New York City were developing the first comic books. And the first comic books were actually compilations of newspaper strips, Little Orphan Annie, Popeye. And those newspaper strips would be put in books and sold for a dime apiece. But after the supply of newspaper strips had been exhausted, these publishers needed original content. And one publisher, recalled this set of drawings that these kids from Cleveland had set with this character called Superman. And they were in a pinch to launch a comic book called Action Comics. So they hired Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster to put together 13 pages of Superman stories for the original edition of Action Comics. And before anyone really knew what happened, hundreds of thousands of those comic books had been sold. And the character that we all now know as Superman was born. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program. In the 1940s, The Adventures of Superman on the Air was created. Faster than an airplane, 
more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! And a creative writer and producer named Bob Maxwell transformed Superman into a radio show from the Mutual Broadcasting System in New York, where actors and sound effects people would create uh, a radio program three times a week where Superman took on mad scientists and crime gangs and evil spectral beings. And it became a hit. So Superman was now in comic books. He was a strip in newspapers. He was a serial in the movie theaters. And he was reaching four million households three times a week through the radio. As World War II comes, the creators use him more as a weapon against America's enemies. So he's taking on Nazi spies. He's taking on German generals. And in one case, he actually took on Hitler and grabbed him by the scruff and carried him off to an international tribunal to be tried for war crimes. So Superman has become a meaningful character in certain ways. And as the war ended, and as times changed, the creators of the radio program asked a very perplexing question. What do we do now? It seemed like the crime bosses and the evil scientists had run their course. The war was over, so Hitler was no longer a target. But there was something happening here at home that got their attention. The Ku Klux Klan was attempting a revival. Six million Jews had just been killed in Nazi concentration camps. And here we have people in our own backyard who are preaching a similar philosophy and who believe that this post-war era can belong to them, that we can bring Americans along to the Klan's philosophy and we can create an organization with millions of members. So these two forces are very different. One is a fictional character on the radio, in comic books, and one is an actual real world organization that is actually carrying out atrocious acts against its enemies. Who would know that one day they would collide? While all this was happening, a young man named Stetson Kennedy was growing up in Jacksonville, Florida. Even at the age of 12, he was extremely uncomfortable with the perverse and pervasive racism of the time. Through the streets of Jacksonville, Klansmen marched, some on horseback, dressed in robes and hoods. And at first he thought that this was kind of a club for grown-ups, and they got to dress up in costumes every day of the year, anytime they wanted. But he later learned that this was actually a group that, quote, took care of people in colored town, which means they imposed their will on black citizens. And it was when the African-American maid in their house was attacked by the Klan for answering back the streetcar operator who refused to give her the proper change. She was brought home bloodied and beaten that he realized what the real Klan was all about. And this young man, obviously being out of step with much of the culture of his time decided at that point that his life would be dedicated 
fighting this kind of hate. And we've been listening to Rick Bowers, and he's the author of Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan, the true story of how the iconic superhero battled the men of hate. When we come back, more of this remarkable story on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And we're back with Our American Stories and the story of Superman versus the KKK. As this organization grew, there was one real-life superhero looking to stop them, Stetson Kennedy. Let's get back to Rick Bowers with the rest of the story. 
1937, Stetson Kennedy became an interviewer with the Florida's Writers Project, which was a New Deal program for unemployed writers, editors, researchers, historians, and they would travel to the state collecting life stories, tall tales, folk songs, and fables from common people. But he would record folk songs from blues singers. He would record stories from field hands and sharecroppers. And he started to understand that these stories, these songs, these rituals, these kind of values were what held people together. It held culture together. And so in his mind, this was a great insight. And he came to see that by having this information himself, he could be a much better writer, communicator, and he could tell the stories of the common people and inform others of their plights. So for Stetson Kennedy, it was the injustice that was being inflicted on these poor people. It was the racism that was directed at these African-American field hands, sharecroppers, fishermen. And it just hit him at such a level that he dedicated himself to trying to fix it. And he was working at the time for an organization called the Anti-Defamation League. And the Anti-Defamation League is an organization that opposes the prejudice against Jewish people and fights for the rights of all people. And they hired him as an infiltrator to get inside the Klan. The dangers were uh, very real. 1946, the Klan is reviving in Atlanta, Georgia. And Stetson, through his research, knows this. He knows that this organization, with a long history of violence, is trying to make a comeback. And it's all happening in what they called the Imperial City of Atlanta, Georgia. So he moved to Atlanta, Georgia, with the express purpose of infiltrating the Klan. So Stetson, uh, through the ADL, takes on a false persona. He takes on the persona of John Perkins, a encyclopedia salesman and the publisher of a hate sheet. He begins hanging around with Klansmen, talking their language. He begins attending their meetings. And everything he discovers is filed back to the Anti-Defamation League in the form of a spy report. And he's reporting on some of the atrocities at the time that are just so brutal that, uh, you know, they shake you to the core. Two black couples driving down a road outside of Atlanta in that year, 1946, are dragged from their car, taken to a riverbank, and shot dead. A black taxi driver in Atlanta who was seen giving a ride to a white woman is dragged from his car and killed. Inside the Klan group, Stetson would write reports about their plans to invade a government armory, seize weapons, and orchestrate an all-out attack on black communities. And Stetson is in the middle of this. The entire time, he was walking this fine line where one wrong step probably meant death. Stetson also risked writing columns under pseudonyms, exposing the KKK's hierarchy, customs, traditions, and most notably, their brutality. Meanwhile, as we learned earlier, the Superman radio show creators sought a new type of villain based on real-life people, awakening their audience to the evil in their own lives. Their villain would be the KKK. 
or in their 16-part series known as the Clan of the Fiery Cross. They worked with the ADL and used much of Stetson's findings, hoping to strip the clan of their mystique and attraction by revealing what they're actually like behind all the secrecy. So through 16 episodes, this arc takes place and people are kidnapped, people are threatened. Clark Kent and Lois Lane have to put out a special edition of the Daily Planet to let the public know that this clan group is threatening people. And of course, Superman has to take flight and round up these Klansmen and haul them off to jail. Stetson Kennedy always said, the way to take down the Klan is by ridiculing them. That is, if you look closely at their rituals, this language that they use where everything starts with K, so the big Klan gathering is a Klan vocation. This kind of ridiculous language can be made fun of. These ridiculous outfits that these people wear, these long robes, these hoods over their heads, these little slits for eye holes. They look like clowns. They look like kids at Halloween dressed up as ghosts. So he felt that that was a great way to undercut the clan. Suddenly, they come into an opening, and as the car stops, Chuck gasps at the strange scene before him. In a glade, casting weird shadows over the nearby hills and lighting the sky above, burns a huge wooden cross. Before it kneel half a hundred men clothed in long robes. Pointed hoods, slit only at the eyes, cover their heads and faces, and a low guttural chant issues harshly from their hidden lips, sending an uneasy chill through Chuck's blood. While the boy looks about him at the fearsome sight, Matt Riggs dons a robe and hood on which a pale blue scorpion is embroidered. Then, followed by Chuck, he approaches the kneeling hooded band, a strangely barbaric company in the dancing light of the flaming cross. Gosh, who are all these guys, Uncle Matt? And why are you wearing the sheets and the hoods? We're the clan of the fiery cross, Chuck. We're a great secret society pledged to purify America. America for 100% Americans only. One race, one religion, one color. I don't get it. America's got all kinds of religions and colors. Oh, when we get through, there'll only be one. Only one? But the Constitution says all Americans have the same rights and privileges. Constitution? <laughs> we'll change that. Now be quiet. Be quiet until I call on you. Attention, brothers. All hail the Grand Scorpion. In the clan of the Fiery Cross, Supreme authority vested by me... So it was a very different kind of program for kids. It was very revolutionary for its time. In the end, it was extremely successful. The media praise that flowed in was extraordinary. Industry groups hailed Superman as a hero for tolerance. Education groups said, now we see that these characters can play a positive role. Newspapers wrote laudatory articles, some of them saying that this is great for kids, but maybe their parents should listen to it as well. There are stories that uh, come from actual Klansmen that tell the story of how their kids would listen to that show and then act it out. So one kid would put on a Superman outfit, the other one would put a pillowcase over their head and wrap a sheet around themselves and then Superman would grab the white-sheeted kid and you know drag him off to jail. Now these are Klansmen watching this so they became very infuriated with what this show was doing and they felt that they were the ridicule of the world where Millions of people are listening to this and they think we're a bunch of fools. The Klan was humiliated. This villain's infamy would soon fizzle out. In the 1920s, during the Klan's peak years, they had 4 million members nationwide. Today, they have only 3,000. Thanks in part to the Superman character created by two boys from Cleveland, Ohio, and a real-life superhero with the courage to go undercover and expose a villain in his own backyard. And great work, as always, to Joey Cortez. And 
A special thanks to Rick Bowers for sharing the story. And, well, there's not much to add. The story of Superman versus the KKK, here on Our American Story. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. Dot com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.